Welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy, recovery author and blogger over at unpickledblog.com. I've been telling my story there about life after alcohol since my very first day of sobriety in 2011. So I tell my story there, and I hold space for your stories here. And it's January, and do you know what that means? That means a whole lot of new people are finding the bubble hour along with all the other recovery resources that are out there because uh, people are making changes. And uh, so I welcome all of our new listeners and also welcome back to our return listeners. I want to say that wherever you're at, whether you're newly sober or if you're in successful long-term recovery, uh, if you're still struggling or if you're sober but you're not loving it, uh, if you're sober curious, which is to say still drinking or using but thinking about making a change, wherever you're at, you are welcome here. You are honored here, respected here. You are valued. And my wish for you and the reason I do this is do the show and, and take the time to to do this podcast and blog and all the things, all the things, um, is that I just, I want you to feel supported and cared for and understood. And I want all of us to know that we're not alone. So in the last 30 days, there have been 75,000 downloads of this podcast, which means that you are definitely not alone. You might have your headphones in and think, oh my gosh, I am the only person struggling like this. But the numbers do not lie. There are many thousands millions really of other people out there uh, doing the same thing and um, and finding their way and there are millions of us who are just a little bit ahead on the path and we are shining a light for you to help you get where you need to be and to help keep you going and we keep each other going so that's what it's all about um, I'm really glad you're here and I am also grateful for our guest today who is a listener who is here to share her story. She has recently celebrated, I think, six months sober. I could be wrong, might be five months, um, but I want to welcome Natalie to the show. Natalie, hello and welcome to the Bubble Hour. Hi, Jean. I'm really happy to be here. I'm um, five months, five days today, actually, but close enough. Awesome. Five months and five days. So you're you're in the land of lots of firsts, lots of new things, but also you have enough time under your belt where you're really probably starting to feel like you're hitting your stride and feeling pretty good. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I definitely feel like this is just my normal now. Like, I don't, um, I don't really think about it a whole lot anymore, which is really, like, kind of amazing to me, um, considering so much uh, brain power went into it before and now I just don't like I just don't drink and it's just I still even saying that I'm like what I don't drink um, but I just don't and I yeah it's I'm still finding my way in certain areas but as far as that goes no I don't drink and I've definitely hit my stride that is awesome that is so awesome well I want you to tell us about how you got to where you're at today and how you made this momentous change in your life. And I have to tell our listeners that Natalie is a busy mom who has a, a, a busy household and it's just after the supper hour <laughs> in your house. And so Natalie is hiding out in her car with a cup of tea <laughs> so that she can have some peace and quiet. So Natalie, I'll have to um, make sure that I have you speak up really nice and loud as well, um, just to okay. make sure that we can hear you okay, because sometimes uh, the phone calls in the car can be a little bit quiet, and I want to make sure that we don't miss anything. So uh, I'll have oh, you go ahead. and you. Yeah, I will. I'll give you the... Mm, I can't give you the thumbs up, but I'll definitely let you know if we lose you. So do tell us your story and uh, looking forward to getting to know you. All right. So um, starting way back, I started drinking at, I don't remember, which I I don't know why. I feel like this is weird that I don't remember my first sip of alcohol, um, but I don't. But I definitely know that it was 
in the like 13, 14 year old um, time. Um, and I drank, you know, like whenever I could, it wasn't like obviously not daily at that age, but um, you know, out at friends' houses or whenever I could get my hands on it, I would be drinking. Um, and that continued through, you know, high school, kind of the same thing. I don't know that it, it's definitely not normal, but it felt like normal drinking to me back then. Um, and so that continued throughout the teens and then the twenties, once I turned 21, it was like, okay, I drank a lot because I was in bars and, um, it was legal and, um, it was maybe not that I drank all the time, but when I did drink, it really wasn't pretty at all. Um, it was, you know, throwing up in the bar bathroom and it was just, it wasn't pretty. Um, I was fairly responsible as far as driving goes, but I'm sure there were definitely times with drinking and driving as well. Um, so then the twenties, uh, like I used to joke, you know, I'm surprised I survived my twenties and, um, it's really not funny, but it's true. Um, I definitely put myself in many precarious situations and, um, really am pretty lucky that I did not have anything horrible happen or I didn't do anything horrible to somebody else as far as drinking and driving or, um, anything like that. So the twenties were a little shaky and I had many jobs. I was a nanny. I was a personal trainer. I was, you know, I was like normal. I just, you know, was functional. I did all my things. I had, I, I, um, went to college for, to be a, um, I would have an early childhood education degree. So I was a preschool teacher. Then I became a nanny after that. And then I, like I said, I was doing, um, I worked at a gym. I worked, at, I, I can't even tell you, I probably had 20 jobs in my 20s. And then right before my 30th birthday, actually the night before my 30th birthday, I decided that I needed to find something real. And I decided to become a nurse. And um, so I went to nursing school. And I, um, I guess it was probably late I can't really remember the timeline, but like late twenties, early thirties, I lived on my own. Like, I, I mean, I had already had apartments with, um, roommates, but I lived completely alone at this time and that was good, but it was a little scary. So I found myself drinking more at home then, um, drinking more and more, uh, to kind of, I guess, probably fill the loneliness and kind of the scariness. Like, you know, it's just, it's a little scary living as a woman alone and, so I, that was my excuse. I would just drink to, I don't know, go to bed easier or whatever. Um, but I mean, I did fine at nursing school. You know, I passed. I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was um, having a problem in that regard that I couldn't function. Um, still functioning. Um, so I met my husband in my early third. Right. Uh, I guess it was, I don't remember, I was probably like 32 or 33 when I met him. Um, he lived in New Hampshire, and I still lived in Massachusetts at the time, and we met online, and we did back and forth every weekend, and I was still alone during the week. And, um, yeah, I mean, life was good. I mean, there was nothing, you know, awful that happened or anything. Um, but I do remember that's about the time when I lived alone, and I started, you know, I was drinking more at home that I would say to myself, like, I really should stop, like, drinking all the time, like, every night. And um, that's what I started doing the whole, like, okay, I'm going to moderate, you know. Like, before it never even was a, a thought to moderate. Um, but now I was like, okay, I, I should probably start moderating. But it was kind of like a thought that came in and went out, you know. It was like, uh, it never even occurred to me to quit. Like, that was not at this time of my life even a an option, Um I, I just thought I have to cut down, but I never really could. Um, or I, I, maybe I would. I would say, okay, well, tonight I'm really not going to drink. And I wouldn't, but as probably everyone that's tried to moderate knows, like it's tor mental torture to take a break or, you know, not drink one night. Um, so I kept drinking, um, became a nurse, worked as a nurse. Um, everything was good um, with my, you know, professional life. And my personal life, I was still dating my then-boyfriend, and we decided to move in together. I moved up to New Hampshire, and we rented a house. And um, 
so I was still drinking daily pretty much, but um, wasn't really seeing it as a huge, huge issue. And I was working the three to 11 shift, so I didn't really drink a ton at home because I, you know, I didn't luckily drink before work, but I, once I got home, I would have a couple glasses of wine and, and, um, and then I found myself pregnant at 37. Um, it was a little bit of a happy surprise and, um, you know, I didn't, obviously I didn't have any trouble with not drinking during my pregnancy. So, you know, I kept thinking in my head, like I, I remember saying like, okay, I, I think I have a problem, but I, 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 because I can stop so easily, I, I must not have a problem. Um, and also um, kind of all over the place here, but like I do these sugar detoxes um, quite frequently and I would stop for three weeks because it was, it's no alcohol, it's no gluten, it's no sugar at all. And I would stop drinking for three weeks. So I would, that would just kind of reinforce my like, thought that well I can't really be, have a problem like I'm not an alcoholic um, because I can stop like this and my husband would have like his tequila in the cupboard and I wouldn't go drinking it in the middle of the day so like I, I don't know it's just like you kind of lie to yourself and say well because I'm not this raging alcoholic under the bridge drunk, I don't have a problem but um, you know that's not really the truth but so anyways, so I got pregnant, had my daughter, um, who's now, she just turned five, and I definitely started drinking even more and more when she was um, born, not right when she was born, but, you know, it's just, it's hard, it's like, you know, it's, um, the transition to motherhood is not something that anybody can prepare you for at all. Um, I guess that was just my coping mechanism, and I felt like I deserved it. You know, I felt like, and this was now during the day even sometimes, like she would be taking a nap, and I'm like, whew, I deserve this glass of wine. Um, and so she, a um, couple years old or so, we decided we wanted to have um, another, and I was 40 at this point, and um, we we tried and we had three, three early losses. Um, they were, they're called chemical pregnancies. So they're very early miscarriages, but still hurt really, really bad, especially the first one, because I really didn't expect it. It, it threw me for a loop. We, we tried in our first month, we got pregnant and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is it. We, we've, I'm so lucky. Look at how, how lucky I am. And, and then I lost it like five days later. So um, that, is when I started to like kind of go into, well, not that first time, but then two more happened and I was starting to feel like desperate, like, cause I was like 40 and I was like, okay, is this ever going to happen for us? And I just, at that point, it was so, so bad. Um, especially having that first loss, I just wanted another one. So, so bad. And, um, so that was a really kind of dark time for me. I drank a lot at that point. Um, and just to kind of backtrack too, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of rambling here, but to backtrack, yes, I did just drink daily. Um, but I also did have times where throughout my thirties, even with my husband, where there would be times where I would be slobbering drunk. Um, not, I don't think, I think maybe once my daughter was born, that might've only happened once or twice, but before then, it was um, not common, but when it happened, it was it was not pretty. It was um, I felt very out of control and ashamed the next day. And I, the most recent one I can remember was when my daughter was probably about two, and um, we went to a my mother-in-law babysat, and we went to one at, at my husband's work Christmas party. And thank God I didn't get really really drunk during his party, but then afterwards there was a bar. Or, um, it was like a country club. So we went to like another part of the country club and, and because I wanted to continue drinking. Um, and I just got so drunk and I was like throwing up out his, out his window. He had to pull over for me and I was throwing up out his car window. And the next day I can just remember being like, oh my God, like I have a two-year-old and, or she was either two or three. And I was just like, I was just so completely disgusted with myself. But yeah, and I think I remember the next day I said, 
oh, I'm not going to drink again. Like that's, I, I need to just take a break. And I didn't drink the next day. And then the day after that I did, you know, it's just, it, that just wasn't enough. Um, and then I, uh, so trying to conceive my now son, um, that's I think where I left off. We were, um, I was, I was really in a, a kind of a bad place and I decided to quit drinking and I did. And I lasted, I think it was like 55 days. I think I lasted. And I thought then, um, well, I've done so well. I can reiterate. And, um, so I remember I called up a friend and I said, let's go out to dinner. And I even talked to my husband about it. And I said, I think because I've done so well, I think that I've got a handle on this and I think I can moderate now. Um, and he was like on board with whatever I thought I could do um, because I think that him and a lot of people didn't really see me as having a huge problem um, because I wasn't drunk every day and I wasn't out of control every day. Um, Once in a while I was, but I wasn't, I don't think that he saw me drinking um, a few glasses of wine a night being a huge deal, but he didn't really know the conflict in my head, in my heart all the time. Um, so I quit drinking. I called a friend. I said, let's go out to um, dinner. And um, and she knew that I was not drinking. But I said, I'm, I really just want a glass of wine. And I'm going to have a glass of wine. And, and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to be a moderator. And I was really excited. I was like, I am so going to do this. I'm, I'm going to be a moderator. Finally, finally, finally. So we went out and we had a glass of wine. And I did thoroughly enjoy it. And I sipped it. And it was delicious. And then I remember the anxiety of the end of the glass. I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm almost on this one glass of wine. Like, what am I going to do now? Like, I, I really want another, but I told her, I told myself, I told my husband, I'm not going to have more than one glass. So light bulb, I was like, well, why don't we split a glass of wine? And so in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, well, that, that doesn't mean I'm having two glasses of wine. So that kind of fits. And so she agreed, and we split a glass of wine. And I, I very strongly remember pouring. We, we just ordered one. We didn't ask the bartender to split it or the, or the waitress. And I remember I got the wine, and I took her wine glass, and I poured it in. And I remember, like, very carefully making sure that I had more. And it was like, looking back at that, it's like, oh, God, like what, that, that's a problem, you know. And, um, and I can remember with my husband, if we got a bottle of wine, say, for the night and you know to watch tv with or whatever i would always make sure like that i poured more for me like i just that's just something that i did um so i had my glass in the house that night and um the next day i thought okay now i'm not going to drink today and i was still in like kind of a good place i didn't even know so guilty about the glass in the house because in my brain i was like well i only had a glass um yeah of course like you know anyone else like I said that tries to moderate it just it just came back I I maybe I I don't know how long it took but it definitely like you know no I didn't drink the next day but the next day I did and maybe I only had a glass but anyways so that just continued more and more and um I just you know I've, I've listened to many podcasts of people who have tried to moderate and it's the same thing like you just I tried every trick in the book. Like, I'm only going to drink on, um, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, or something like that. Or I'm only going to drink on a weekend. Or I'm only going to drink beer. Because I don't, I mean, I like beer, but I'm not going to put back, like, a 12-pack. Like, um, or I I thought, well, maybe if I get a Sharpie and on my wine glass, like a wine, and measure the ounces, maybe then I can just have so many ounces a night and keep it to that and, you know, and every single time I tried to do this, it failed. Like, I I just, and it's just the mental torture of, of trying to do that was so exhausting and just, like, soul-crushing. I mean, the, you know, just fast forward to today, this is so much easier. People are like, it must be so hard. And I'm like, oh, no, no, this is easy compared to what I put myself through um, in the past. Um, so, anyways, I, I did... Um, I did finally get pregnant and, um, and it stuck. And so I, you know, once again, I had my nine months of sobriety there and, but, you know, 
it was like not a, a it was not an option so it's like to me it was kind of easy because it just wasn't an option I had a child inside me and then I had him and when he was about four months old we bought a house and um that was a really stressful time because it's like he's going through this four-month sleep regression. I'm not sleeping like at all. We have to move with two little kids. It was, it was a great thing, but it was. It, luckily, the house buying process was very smooth. We found a house that I believe was meant to be for us. It was the we went. My husband said, financially, it's time for us to buy a house. I said okay. He caught. We found a realtor, and literally that Saturday, he, we, she said, let's go look at a few houses, and then we said okay. We looked at one. We didn't like it. We looked at the second one. We liked it. We looked at one more. We didn't like it. We made an offer on the second house that night. It went through. It was like smooth as butter. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was nice. It was like kind of, meant, I really believe that this house was meant to be. And I, um, I don't know. I, I, my, my father has passed away and I, I just feel like he had a hand in that. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. But um so we moved in, and um, I had it in my head, like, I, I remember thinking, like, I'm going to be different, like, when I move into this new house. Like, I'm going to be, um, and I had already, through the powers of Facebook, kind of made some friends in the neighborhood um, because of this uh, community page that my town has. Um, I found a few people, a few girls. Um, it's a very kid-friendly neighborhood. And so I found about... Um, you know, five, five or six moms, and we all kind of started talking already. So I, I, I remember thinking in my head, like, I'm going to go there, and I'm just going to be different. Like, I'm going to be healthier, and I'm just going to be this new person. And um, I don't know, I was just really excited. So we moved in, and um, things were good, and, you know, still the same thing, though, the daily drinking. Um, and once we got settled, I feel like this is when it all kind of came to a head. I just so if my children somehow were ever listening to this someday down the road, I want them to know that I did not drink because of them. But one kid is hard. Two kids is so hard. <laughs> I mean, being home with them, and not to say that working mothers, I mean, I'm sure it's just as hard. I'm home most of the most days. I do work as a nurse still, but I'm pretty young, so I only work like two Sundays a month. Um, so being a stay-at-home mother is ridiculous it's I just I as I love it and I'm so grateful that I get to do it I mean I'm, I'm beyond grateful but it, it was it really took a toll on me um so I found myself drinking more um more during the day and you know, something I wanted to touch on with that and is is it just kind of goes with this um this like mommy wine culture that we've all heard of and um even with nursing like I nursed my daughter for two years and I'm still nursing my son now. And um, they, you can find anything on Google. Like, I was like, should I really be drinking wine daily with nursing my children? And, of course, looking back, no, I should not have. But you can find anything on, online. Like, it says, even Kelly Mom, which is like the, the, the Bible of breastfeeding on, online, that's like what a lot of people go to. And it's like, they say, if you can drive a car, you can nurse your child. So it's like, well, I'm not shit face I can drive my car I can nurse my child um and I was very I mean I, I was there I don't want people to think I was like drunk and nursing my children I wasn't um but you know I still had that guilt in my head like even a glass of wine I probably shouldn't be you know let's let not let's not lie it was more than a glass of wine I should not be nursing um but I did and um so I would start to hear my daughter. This is now in the new house. And I would start to hear her say little things. She's five now, but she was four at the time. And it's like crushes my soul when I think about it. Like she would start talking about wine a lot. Like she would um, pretend play with wine and beer um, and drinks. And I, I don't know where this came from, but a couple of times I heard her say, I'm, I'm picturing Jason, who's, you know, her little brother, on the beach with a beer and I don't, I don't really know where that came from. We never, we're not beach people. So I don't really know what that meant, but it's still like just to hear the words wine and beer come out of her mouth were just like kind of disturbing to me. Um, so that was like one little kind of like nudge towards sobriety. Um, and then 
I remember also um, we, I, I was making her lunch and it was like nice weather and nice weather has always been a trigger for me. Like nice weather equals like having some drinks and like, but I'm drinking Chardonnay at 12 o'clock in the afternoon while I'm making her lunch. So I'm like, she's going to grow up and remember me making her lunch with a wine glass. Like, so like those kinds of things just were like creeping into my head. Like, this is not okay. This is not okay. Um, and we had a house family party and I, I did really good at that. I remember like consciously thinking, no, don't, don't drink too much. You know, don't, don't be a fool and, and, you know, get drunk. And I didn't, I alternated with water and, um, I thought we had a lot of alcohol left over from that. And I, that's when I was just like, this was in August and I was just, um, just drinking that leftover alcohol, like it was water. And, um, and the scary part is how much I could consume without being drunk. And that's when I also knew I'm like, I can put away a, a bottle of wine, like no problem at all. Like I could do that. And I probably was inebriated, but I didn't feel it. Um, so um, the, 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 the big like, okay, this is, has to stop was um, my kids were being just off the wall and it was a really long day, and they went to um, nap for my son, and then my daughter will not nap anymore, but she'll go up and watch a movie in her bedroom with her, the iPad just for like an hour so I can have a minute to breathe. And so they did that, and I was like, I am so having a margarita. So I did. I had a margarita, and then I had another margarita. And... Um, then by that time, I think they were both up. And then I just continued to drink like beer after beer after beer. And, um, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't think I was like drunk, drunk, but God forbid, like I think back, like of all these times, like what if, I don't know, what if they had to be rushed to the hospital or something? Like I, I was, you know, not drunk, but not well enough to be driving them to the hospital or being a responsible mother. So, I just, that night, I, um, my, my son was in this really, really awful, awful. So I was also extremely, extremely sleep deprived at this point. He was sleeping terribly. Um, so my husband slept on the couch that night and took the baby monitor so I could get some sleep. So I, I laid in bed and I slept and then I was up from two to four and I think that was probably because of all the alcohol you know that's like kind of the time when the alcohol wakes you up and you get hot and feel disgusting and so I was so so sleep deprived and as anybody that is sleep deprived knows it feels literally like torture um so I woke up the next morning I you know I ended up going back to sleep for a little bit and then I woke up the next morning and I just felt horrible and I just felt like, I don't know, it was like, that was my, it seems like not really a rock bottom, but like just the way that I felt inside was such a rock bottom for me. And I just felt, I just felt so awful. And my daughter was luckily going to, she goes to daycare two days a week. And luckily my husband takes her. And so he was, get, we were getting her ready to go. And she was playing with her little brother. She was being like really, really loud. And I remember just yelling at her. I'm like, stop. I don't know what I was saying. Like, stop making noise or whatever. And she cried. And she felt horrible. And it was because I was sleep deprived. I was hungover. I just felt awful about myself. And she, um, and I, you know, I apologized. But I, I was like, oh, my God. I just, and she wasn't even being, she wasn't even, like, doing anything. She was like, yeah, being four at the time. And I just, like, unloaded on her. And I just felt like just the, the worst in the world. And she um, she went off to school, and I put my son down for his first nap. And I, I think I literally cried that whole entire day. I took a shower. I cried in the shower. I I just felt, I mean, I, I remember thinking, like, I feel so bad for people that are, like, depressed, like, truly depressed, because this is how they must feel every day. Because I felt horrible. I mean, it was it was a dark, dark day. So I I started looking at AA meetings online, and um, and I I didn't really know anything about AA, but I I I figured, well, 
I don't know, something that I got. I need some help. I knew I needed some help. Um, I couldn't do it on my own, obviously, because I tried so many times to either stop or moderate. Um, so I found right up the street from me in my town a women's only meeting, which sounded appealing to me because um, to me it was very scary to go into AA, but being with all women made me feel a lot better. And I found a meeting, and it, this was a Thursday, but I, I did find a meeting. I didn't even feel like I was in the place that night to even be in public. Like, I just felt I just felt so bad. I didn't, I didn't even want to go that night. So I finally went to the next night. So I texted one of my friends, and I said, I think I'm going to go to AA. And she immediately texted me back and said, do you want me to go with you? And I was like, and she knows this, and I've told her this. And that meant, like, to me because, I mean, she, you know, she was just going to support me. It was an open meeting. And um, I said, yes, please, please, please. Um, so we went, and it was really a nice experience. Um, I don't do AA anymore, and I, um, but but this, this, these women were so welcome. I cried. I mean, the second I went in, I just cried all over the place, and they were hugging me and telling me I never have to feel this way again. And um, they were so sweet to me. And I, um, I went to, I think I went for maybe like the first few weeks I was pretty meeting home once or twice a week. Um, and I enjoyed it, but as I started listening to different podcasts and listening and reading different books, I found, um, that maybe it just wasn't for me. And I don't, I think it's wonderful organization. I just, and, and I feel like I feel like they were so welcoming that I feel like if I had popped in there any Friday night to this meeting that I was going to, like I could just pick right back up and say hi to these women and they would welcome me right back in. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't admit that I was powerless over alcohol because I'm 100,000 million percent powerless over alcohol. Um, but whatever, that, that, that doesn't, it doesn't really matter why it's just not my thing. Um, and I found other ways that are keeping me going with, um, books and like I said podcasts and things like that um, I've also thought about maybe trying like smart and summary, but I haven't actually felt the need to do that yet but it is nice to know that these women are here there's a million meetings going on all the time so if I feel like I'm oh I need to I need to do something I can just pop right back in so um, AA definitely was the life saver for me in the beginning um, so yeah I mean that's kind of like in a nutshell um, you know, where, where I got to stopping. Um, and then, um, once I stopped, I had to just find like all these new ways of living. Like I think, and I've heard this a lot from people, I'm I'm very active in a sobriety, um, Facebook group. And I've also heard it on many, many, many different podcasts, drinking wine while making dinner. I mean, that was huge for me. Like I loved, 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 having a big goblet of red while I made dinner. Um, the problem is I would start prepping dinner at four o'clock and start drinking, you know, then and, and just continue the whole night. Um, so I just switched it up. Like I just, I made my mocktails with like sparkling water and lime and some vitamin water and I had it in my wine glass. And it was very important to me to have that ritual in the beginning. Um, but luckily now I don't even, I, every now and then I'll make a mocktail just for fun. Um, but I don't feel that pull. Like I just cook now. I don't, I don't need to have something to drink. Um, so just like all these new little things, like I feel like every time you do something like without drinking, it just becomes like your new normal, you know? Um, good example is yesterday. I, um, my mother's birthday is actually today. And we went to a casino yesterday and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to a casino. Like that, me and my husband, when we were um, child free, we would go to casinos and, you know, it was like, that was drinking. I mean, that's, that's what you did at the casino. And it just felt like really good to like go to this casino and like not need to have any alcohol. And they like, I just took it all in and, um, you know, it's just, and I've, and I've, um, I think I, when I emailed you originally, I had just written my blog post called 40 Dry Days, and I shared. So I'm very vocal about this on Facebook um, than with anybody that will listen, really. I'm a bit of an overshare as it is, so I don't, um, I'm not very shy. 
So I have been sharing my uh, milestones, my stories, my um, everything on Facebook. So I wrote this blog post, post called 40 Dry Days, and it's kind of my coming out. And I shared it on Facebook. And um, and then, I, like I said, I've, I've shared since then. That was back 40 days. Now I'm at five months. And every single time I share, which I love, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to come on here as well, is every time I share, I get a, I get a message. I get a private message and from someone different. And they're saying, I also feel like I might have a problem. You've inspired me. Some people have, I, I don't, I don't know if any of these people have stopped or not, but I don't pry. I just, you know, listen and tell them I'm here if you want to, you know, talk anymore. Um, I know some people have cut down and they say that I've inspired them and that's like pretty awesome. Right. I mean, um, so yeah, I mean, everything's going really well now. I, I hope that I'm not just still riding the pink cloud or whatever they call it, but, um, so far it's like, I just feel like so much better as a mother because I feel like I'm just being true and like, and I'm, I mean, Trust me, with two little kids, I'm still, like, crazy sometimes. But I feel like on the daily, I'm so much calmer. Like, the anxiety, you think that you're drinking is, like, calming your anxiety. And that's probably true. Like, I definitely, at the end of the night, plop down in my container, drink a glass of wine, and my whole body would just, like, melt. But that didn't last long. I mean, it really ramps up your anxiety. Or at least it did for me um, in the long run. It's not. It's not really the best anti-anxiety medication um so yeah i mean so far so good well thank you for sharing your story natalie so i guess my first question for you as you talk about where you're at today is what would you say are the basics of your um ongoing recovery like what's in your toolbox that keeps you going day to day and what are the what are the essentials of recovery for you now? Yeah, I just, I really, like, I I'm, I never listened to podcasts before, but I feel like podcasts are like my, um, are like my, my, my AA, like my, my, that's a big part of it. Um, I don't really listen, I love listening to music at home, but every time I'm in the car now, when my kids aren't around, which isn't very often, but I'm listening to podcasts. Um, I listen to you a lot. I listen to um, Recovery Elevator, This Naked Mind. Um, I really enjoy podcasts a lot because you feel like every time you hear someone, you're like, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, you know, that's, that's totally me too. Um, and just like, um, I don't really journal that much. I, you know, I'm trying to meditate more, um, but, you know, this is kind of an excuse, but it is really hard with, with having little kids. I mean, I don't have much time to meditate. Um, I do it. I try to do it as I fall asleep. I'll listen to apps. Um, and sometimes if I'm up early, I'll, I'll do that as well. Listen to a meditation app. Um, so just trying to stay calm, trying to eat better. Um, like, I feel like I'm, I'm just, like a work in progress, you know, and, and just, and now I'm just like really finding things that I'm good at that I didn't know I was good at. Like I recently, I bought, I, um, not, I didn't buy, I went on marketplace on Facebook and I got this, um, old, um, chest for free. Cause I just felt like I wanted to do some sort of like little project. So I, I mean, I really didn't do much to it. I, I just used chalk paint on it and it wasn't really a big, huge project, but it was like, it's something that I wouldn't have had the, like the mindset to do before. Like I would have said, Oh, that would have, that would be like fun to do, but I wouldn't want to, um, I wouldn't really care enough. Really. I'd be like, eh, I, I don't really, whatever. I might get it off the, from the lady for free and then have it sit in my basement forever. But I did it. And it's like a simple little thing, but that made me feel really good. And um, like we had a Halloween party and I, I made these like, really cool Oreo pops with, I dipped them in chocolate and made all like a, I made like a, a bat and all these different like Halloween themes for my daughter's party. And, um, and so just, I guess just like finding new hobbies is part of it as well. Um, and reading as much as I can, but, uh, my first, my first, um, book that my, what do they call it? Uh, quit lit. I think they call it. Quit lit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, was, 
Claire Pooley's um, The Sober Diaries, I believe it's called. And um, mm-hmm. that was, yeah, that was really funny. And I listened to it on uh, an audio book and her, the, the, she didn't um, narrate it, but the narrator has this lovely British accent and it was really funny. Um, so I think that's the difference between this time quitting and last time when I, I mean, I only had like 55 days last time, but I didn't, you know, the AA thing probably was, that was a huge difference. Um, just kind of breaking down and saying like, I, I cannot control it. Um, and just finding the books and the podcasts and in my um, uh, Facebook group as well. I'm very, like I said, I'm very active in this, just one particular Facebook group that I found um, and sharing on Facebook myself, because that kind of keeps me accountable as well. But as of right now, and I mean, I don't know. I, I did read this naked mind and I know that that's a lot of people say that that really flipped a switch for them. And I don't know if that's what flipped the switch for me or not, but I don't want to drink. Like I don't, I don't, I, I feel really lucky about that. Like there's times where I, even at the casino yesterday, I saw the beer and the wine little stand and I think my mouth actually, like, I think I salivated. Um, I didn't, I don't know. It just like was an involuntary reaction. Um, but I don't, the, the reality of sitting down and drinking, I don't, I have no use for it anymore. Like it does not serve me. It, it does not, it does nothing for me. I don't need it, which is great too, because I can go anywhere and be social and be me and I don't need it. Like, which I think is different because if I was to quit, say like in my twenties, I think I, I think I did need it then. I think I needed it to be social. I needed it to feel comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And I think now I'm just like, nah, I don't need it. And, um, I don't know. It just, it's, I, it was just, I think it was just my time, you know, like my, my blog post, uh, my blog is called 30 years is enough. And it's like, really, I've been drinking for 30 years because I started, say I started at 13 and now I'm 43. Like, you know, like that's enough. That's enough time. Like it's time to like live life without the haze of alcohol, you know, and I don't want my children to grow up thinking that drinking daily is normal. Like, because it was very, I, I'm not going to get into my whole childhood, but it was normal in my family growing up to be drinking daily. And I don't want, so I thought that was normal. And it's like, I don't want my children to think that's normal. Um, So I'm really fortunate and grateful that I saw the light while they were little, because um, I don't even know if my daughter remembers seeing me drink wine. You know, I don't, I don't even know if she, she, she luckily does not mention it at all. And what's so awesome is when she's like, what are you guys drinking like me or my husband um we say water soda whatever and she can have a sip and that's like such a good feeling um and that's another thing too backtracking shout out to my husband because he um has not quit drinking but he has stopped at home and he doesn't drink in front of me and that's like huge and he's like a normie (laughs) he doesn't you know and it's it's huge and it's like amazing to me that people could do that like like that he can just not drink anymore and he's okay with it because he is drinking as well with me at home um he's not a big drinker but I think because I was drinking daily he was drinking daily too um but he has stopped that and um so it's just really a good feeling to have my um kids not you know my son will never remember me drinking so it's just pretty cool I love that um, you're creating a new normal for them. You're you're showing them a mm-hmm. different baseline, and not just about not drinking, but I think the recovery piece of it too, of modeling for young people how we deal with stuff or how we mm-hmm. talk ourselves through things, and um, so the emotional healing that we do on top of sobriety, I think has a generational effect too. You know, there's a, a lovely saying that when a woman or a man heals themselves, they heal for all of the all of the generations that came before them, but also all of the generations mm. that came afterwards. And I I love that idea of that <clears throat> we're not Definitely. just we're not just helping our children and our grandchildren by being a matriarch or role model or by setting this normal for them, but also maybe we're doing some healing that our parents, grandparents, great grandparents couldn't do. <laughs> For sure. Or it didn't, I mean, you know, you know I, for whatever reason, it, um, they didn't have the internet. 
right? <laughs> um, and that's what I said at my first um, AA meeting. I said, I just have to stop the cycle. Like, I just have to. Um, you know, I just have to stop this cycle of normal, this, this being normal. Uh, my dad was a functional alcoholic. And um, and I just, he's been dead now for um, six or seven years. And I he... He, um, at one point, he, he was a drinker, and um, he had to go uh, to the hospital once, uh, many times, but he had to, one time he was very, very sick in the hospital, and so, of course, when he got out of the hospital, he was now sober for many, many days, I and mean, he was in there for a long time, and um, we had a conversation, and I remember him saying, your drinking concerns me, or something to that effect, and so I just hope he knows, you know, somehow, I do believe that he's out there, and he sees me, and so I just hope that he you know, I just hope he is proud and I hope that he's like, yay, you did it. I couldn't do it, but you did it, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I choose to believe that he that he does know. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I feel like that is as it should be. <laughs> it only right. makes sense to me that a parent would continue to care and keep an eye on. But, um, I want to ask you about your training as a nurse, what mm-hmm. were you taught in school about alcohol addiction, sobriety, recovery, what, if anything, and what did real life teach you versus what school taught you? Um, I don't really remember. I mean, we, you know, we touched on alcohol, um, but I don't, I don't have anything stick out in my head um, about learning um probably we did learn about the severe alcohol. And I think that's, I mean, I'm, this is getting a little off, but I think that's just one of the things I want to drive home to anyone that's listening to this, that thinks like, well, I'm not, you know, an alcoholic. And that's what I kept like saying in my head. Like I kind of said that before, like, like I, and I think society, I think we're definitely going in the opposite direction now, but it was, it's like either you're a, drunk like a you know what people think of as a drunk or you're not and it's like no it's not that black and white like if you are drinking even say you're even drinking three glasses of wine a week but you think that's too much then it, then it's too much and you you know and you can't stop then you have a problem um so I think in nursing school we probably talked about the really problematic stuff um but also with nursing school like I I laugh but say we had an exam we would always go out, to, we would have a break. So we would have our exams and then we would, um, you know, everyone would be different, uh, done at a different time. So we would beforehand say, let's go meet at this restaurant down the street and grab us something to eat. Because then we had to go back, unfortunately, after our exams for like a two hour lecture, which was torture after taking these stressful exams. And I would absolutely suck down two beers between that, you know, going class and back so it's like it's just kind of funny that you said what did you learn about nursing school well I you know was drinking as I was like learning um which is crazy to me but um yeah so you know and then in, in real life I've seen you know obviously um I've seen some alcohol withdrawals I work in a rehab not a not a drug rehab but a um like a brain injuries and strokes and spinal cord injuries and things like that. So usually by the time our patients get to us, we're, um, we're, they're already out of like, if they're going through any alcohol withdrawals, they've gone through the worst of it at the ho- at the regular hospital before they come to us. So I haven't seen too much of that, but I saw it. I, my dad was in one time uh, in the hospital with very severe, very scary alcohol withdrawals. Um, so I have seen it that way. Um, but um, just one thing, too, I just wanted to go back on was the um, the new normal for my kids. And one thing I'm really proud of and um, and I love that is happening now is that we don't serve alcohol at parties anymore. And um, that might change down the road. I don't know. I'm just not comfortable with it yet. But that was not even in my – I mean, we had my daughter's birthday parties. And they weren't kids' parties; they were like family parties. But that was alcohol was a staple. I mean, we I couldn't even I literally couldn't even imagine not having alcohol if I had a, a gathering. Um, so this, uh, let's see. So I quit in uh, August, and then our first party was this Halloween party in October that I said I made the pops for. And she, um, my daughter, is Halloween crazy, 
and um, she loves it. She's loved it since day one. She loves, loves everything Halloween. So we have a little Halloween party for her every year. Um, well, actually, it's very big. My, my husband goes through this whole, he does a haunted house for her, and it's a whole huge thing. And so this was the first year that I wasn't having alcohol, and it was like, in my head, I was like, going back and forth, like, should we, should we not? Maybe I should just have one thing of, like, one thing of sangria or punch or something for people that want to drink. And so I said to my husband, I said, I'm really stressing out about this party and about whether or not to throw that alcohol. And he said, well, let's just not. And I'm like, well, well, don't you think people will be upset? And he's like, no. <laughs> so what if they are? You know, and it's like, it's just that you have to change that mindset. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't even imagine not having alcohol before. But now it's like we've had a couple parties. We just had my kid's birthday party, and there was no alcohol, and everybody had a good time, and it didn't really seem to matter. But it's like you put so much of, of that in your – when you're in your own head, you put, you put so much importance on it. And it's like it's really not that important to, to, to normies, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I feel like especially for those of us that really normalized a lot of alcohol socially – there's this mm-hmm. feeling of well, what will people think, you know, especially right. if, no, if, you, if it's a kid's like, party in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? They'll get, they may be taken aback, but they'll get over mm-hmm. it and they will have fun because parties are fun. Right. And, um, well, yeah, there's that's, no place to alcohol in a, in a little two-year-old's birthday party. I mean, it really doesn't, like now that I look, like it really doesn't belong. Just, there's no reason for it, you know, but that's just where we were at. <laughs> um, Oh, gosh, I have a page of questions, now. I have to look back over it because <laughs> I had a question oh, on no. the tip of my tongue, and then it disappeared. See, this happens. And you know what's funny is that when this used to happen to me when I was drinking every day, I would think, mm-hmm. oh, see, I've got brain damage from alcohol. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now I know, oh, I there's this is normal. You know, I have a little, no, I have I, a little flip. I've made a mistake. No big deal. <laughs> I think, I know. That's so funny that you say that. Cause I think that too, like now, like I'm like, like we had this party recently and I, uh, uh, somebody had asked me for Tylenol and I, and I, and I literally forgot, like I was like, Oh yeah, I'll get that. And then I, I was then like an hour later and she's like, do you have that Tylenol? And I was like, Oh my God, I completely forgot. So yeah, I mean, it's, it is kind of good to know that like, okay, no, it's, this is just like my life. I know it's my brain. Mistakes do happen. We do make mistakes. Um, Actually, I know what I was going to say, and I'm not seeing it on my page because I didn't write it down. And I feel like there was a little, I heard a bit in your story of you sort of apologizing for feeling like it's stressful to be a stay-home mom with two kids or to work, you know, Mm -hmm. um, part-time with two kids. I don't think that that deserves any apologies at all. Um, I really think that... It, it, being a mom is hard. Being a parent is hard. But whatever we're doing, if it's hard, it's hard. Whether it's kids, no kids, want kids, don't want kids, whatever work we're doing, if it's hard, that's valid. And um, for myself, when I look back on my years with little ones at home, and I now, now know that the triggers that really push us towards drinking are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And I can tell mm-hmm. you that when I was home with three toddlers, I had th- probably four of those going all of the time. Oh, <laughs> There's no, absolutely. you don't take the time to eat properly. It's, nope. It can be very frustrating and, and you're exhausted. And there is a lot of loneliness. There is a lot of isolation. So. I just, I want to tell you that you should not apologize for that. And even in your, in your own thinking, but I, I feel like what you're wanting to say is that is just to acknowledge the valid, the validation of the struggle, whatever it is. Um, Exactly. And, and I definitely agree with you on that. And then, yes, that I also feel like the alcohol industry has figured out that, you know, people that are uh, have little kids at home are ex- are hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and that that's mm-hmm. a perfect that's a perfect demographic for them to market hard at and say, oh well, here's the solution, and then that's where all this mommy wine culture nonsense comes from. So there's yep. just so much we could say around that, but um, just a, I'm looking out my window as I talk with you, and you know, every house that I see out my window on the street. Um, they're, they're young families, and um, 
I, there's, there's a lot of hard work going on in those homes. So I just want to give a a shout out to everyone that's in the trenches (laughs) and and finding it hard and that it's not all, um, you know, lovely filters. It's not all butterflies and flower meadows and perfect moments. Um, (laughs) It can be hard. Uh, (laughs) It can be hard. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, but I just wanted to say like, and it's not all those butterflies and everything because I quit drinking. Like, trust me, I still yell at my daughter and, you know, not like that morning was excessive, but, you know, I still snap at her and I snap at my husband and I, you know, I'm still exhausted and I'm still, you know, but it's like, I feel so much better about myself, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. fighting with myself anymore now. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not snapping at myself anymore. Like I, I feel good. Like if I wake up because I'm tired, then I'm just tired. Like I'm not hung over and tired and feeling like self-hatred like I was every day. So, yeah. So it's, I mean, like don't, don't think you're going to quit drinking and then just magically life is going to be 100% awesome all the time. It's not going to happen. But it, it definitely, definitely raises your self-worth. You know, like, okay, definitely. now I'm just doing this the best I can do. And you're right, it does give you a little more reserves when you're not distracted mentally and feeling crappy physically. So um, it gives you, you know, that little bit of cushion between where you're at and the line, the tip over line (laughs) of like blowing your top, you you know, even if it just gives you a little inch of space there, um, that really, that really does help. And another thing I found too was that, the hard stuff is still hard. You know, we, we drink to numb the hard stuff and to take the edge mm-hmm. off of it. And, and the hard stuff is still hard and you don't have the beer goggles or the wine goggles or whatever to, to filter that. But the good news is that when you're completely present and feeling and showing up for life and fully feeling everything that happens to you, yeah, you do feel the hard stuff, but also the good stuff you fully feel and you're not numb to the good stuff. And I think that's really um, something I didn't anticipate as being a positive of quitting drinking. And I thought I was happy to begin with. I, I thought I was happy. I just had this little problem. And it really came as a surprise to me how much more I was able to feel the happy stuff. Are you experiencing that? Yeah. Oh, totally. Like, especially in very early sobriety, uh, once I got out of that really shitty first, you know, couple weeks, um, I was like, I would like just hold my son and my daughter and just like be like, oh, my God, like, I love them so much. And like, of course, I loved them before, but it just felt like, yeah, like, I mean, I don't have to explain it to you because you get it. Like, it it just is kind of hard to explain, but I just felt like, this is different. Like it just felt like so, and I'm, I'm kind of, even with my dog, I mean, my poor dog, like was always getting yelled at and like I'm kind of with him and I'm just finding new ways to like, I'm keeping my house a little bit cleaner I find and just like little things. And it's kind of cool. Like, I mean, because I am, you know, I'm not totally normally, uh, no, not normally, not totally early in sobriety at five months, but still fairly early. Um, so it's like, I'm just finding these things pop up here and there that, kind of surprised myself like 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 I'm putting my laundry away and like and my kids laundry after it comes out of the dryer like even that I'm hanging up my coat like it's just like silly things like that are like I don't know I just feel like I just didn't give a shit before so it's like it just it just things definitely surprise me here and there and the, the love the feeling thing is definitely um even just having conversations with people like I just feel like I can really focus more on what they're saying as opposed to just being like, well, I don't care. Like I want a glass of wine. And um, I definitely feel more connected to people as well, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Our hour has come to an end. So I'm going to leave you with one last question. And that okay. is if you can pinpoint the red flags, like looking back uh, over mm-hmm. your own story and if, if, what would you tell other people to watch for based on your experience or what you've learned from others? What are some of the red flags that you think were the clues for you that it, that the drinking had become an issue and that it was just, it was time. How did you, how did you know? Um, 
uh, well, you know, the big red flags, of course, throwing up car windows many, many times in my life. Those are red flags, but those are the obvious red flags. The red flags that might be more subtle is the, like I said, no matter how much you're drinking, if you're um, having a fight with yourself about it, that's a red flag. And, you know, that's that cognitive dissonance that um, Annie Grace talks about in her book. And so if anybody wants to Google cognitive dissonance, that's, that's a huge thing. It's when you want to be doing one thing, but you're doing another, you're at odds with yourself. So um, I think just, just the red flags are kind of maybe uh, unique to each person. So my red flags were my daughter talking about alcohol. That was huge, huge, huge red flag for me. Um, Just feeling gross. Like I just felt like disheveled every day and just like, I mean, I still kind of feel disheveled every day because I'm, I'm, you know, tired and I'm, you know, I don't, I'm home a lot. So I don't always like even get out of my pajamas in the winter, but, but, but feeling just, just disgusting. I I mean, I just would, that's how I would feel when I was drinking and hungover and waking up dry mouth and just nasty. Um, so that, that's a huge red flag. But I think just, like I said, if, if you think you're drinking too much or you're, if you're just, if you're just not happy with your drinking, um, and that goes for smoking or doing drugs or eating, overeating, anything like that. Anything that you're not happy with, that's a red flag. I mean, you know, if you're because it's so much easier to, to I mean, it's not easy to stop. I'm not saying it's easy whatsoever, but it's so much easier than fighting with yourself. It's so, so much different than fighting with yourself all the time. Um, that's kind of all I can say on that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for sharing your story today. And I also, I want to tell you uh, and tell the listeners, you mentioned Claire Pooley and how much you enjoyed her book, uh, Sober Diaries. Mm -hmm. She has a new book that's just out. It's a novel about recovery. It's called The Authenticity Project. And I'll actually be interviewing her in early February, and that will be available mid-February. So stay tuned for that as well. There's some really amazing books out right now. Um, I think that the literary world has caught up with uh, Mm -hmm. the fact that people are buying books and that we are looking for resources all the time and that those of us that are in sobriety and in recovery, just we want to keep learning and keep growing. So there seems to be a lot of great things coming available right now. And um, uh, so keep your eye out for that and, and keep your ear to the ground for my interview with Claire. Pooley. Natalie, thank you so much for being here today thank and for you. sharing your story. Congratulations on five months of sobriety and uh, and thank you for hiding out in your car and spending some time <laughs> with us tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. And listeners, I'm glad you're with us. And as I said, wherever you're at, you're welcome here. There's a lot of love and support for people in recovery and a lot of people just like Natalie who are happy to share their story because it helps you. And I hope that that Natalie's willingness to do this and everyone else that's been on this show shows you how much you matter to other people because we've all been there and, uh, and we know how hard it is. So keep listening, everyone. Keep looking after each other. That's all for this week. And until next time, please take good care. I own it. I did that. Not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from power. Want to be free from hell.